So if you're given over to worry, stop it. Amen? It's from Jesus. That's just a word from heaven. Stop. Stop worrying. Stop. Amen? But y'all have heard me preach that before, haven't you? How many of you still worry after you hear it? Stop. Stop it. Is that good counsel? Well, Pastor, I just, stop. Take your feelings and stop. Put the brakes on because Jesus said, stop. Every time you worry, you sin against God. Stop it. You're saying, I don't think God can provide. I don't think he's strong enough. I don't think he'll meet my need because my need's different than everyone else's need. Stop it. Amen? All right, let's give the invitation. Y'all come. All right? We wasted this that quick. God's words are so powerful. Even just a couple of words from Jesus can change our lives. If we worry, we hear Jesus says, do not worry, then what happens? We can actually apply what he says to us. You say, well, I can't do it by myself. You're right. You can't live any of the Christian life by yourself. It has to be the Holy Spirit in and through you. Do you understand that? So you can do none of these commands by yourself. That's why the Jews struggled to keep the Ten Commandments. They could not do it because every time they tried, they said, I'll live up to the standard. They failed, they failed, they failed. That's why God, in his wonderful, loving nature, gave us grace and gave us Jesus Christ. That's what we celebrated last week. He gave us the Lord Jesus Christ to take on our sins. That not only would he take on our sins, that he would actually die with those sins. He would be, God's punishment would be put on him. But he would rise again the third day according to the scriptures. And that's why we're talking about resurrection power and purpose. So what's the whole plan behind this? Not just to take our sins. If we serve the dead God, it's just a dead person, right? A dead per- another dead one in the grave. But he was resurrected. God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says if you can believe that, you will have eternal life. Not only eternal life hereafter, but here and now. He's going to give you life, and he says, I'm going to give you the Spirit. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit sent from God that he will walk life with you and through you. So as you go through life, when he says, be my witnesses, guess what he says? Be my witnesses empowered by the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses. When he says, do not worry, he says, receive my Spirit and do not worry because I'm giving you the Spirit of fear. He says he does not give us the Spirit of fear. What does he give you the Spirit of? Say it out loud. Power and confidence to live the life because it's Jesus who has my back. If you ever been on a playground and you had somebody bigger than you wanted to beat you up? Anybody been there? And when somebody bigger than them has your back, what do you feel like? You'll talk trash all day long. I used to go to elementary school and my sister had my back. She would beat boys up on the playground. I'd talk all the trash I wanted to and then they would say something back to him and get out of the way and She'd threaten them or sometimes punch them. And she still punches really hard today. If you've ever been punched by my sister, she's here today. If you'd like to try it, just see her after church. She'll put those bony knuckles right through your muscles. Well, in our passage today, we're going to go to John chapter 20. You guys, if you come to the Catalyst this morning, you actually learned that Mary uh, Magdalene and we other Marys, there's many people at the tomb. And some, people, some skeptics will say, well, there's too many uh, incongruent stories that are happening at the tomb. I just can't believe but can I tell you something? If every gospel said it exactly the same word, they would say, oh, they got together and put the story together. So skeptics are always going to be what? Skeptical. It doesn't matter. So our job is not to go out and prove or disprove every skeptic out there. If you take time with your word and trust God is who he says he is, if he's the God of order, if he can put seven days of creation together, surely to goodness he can put the order of resurrection of his son together. Wouldn't you believe? 
If you get Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, if you can get that in order, then nothing else in the Bible should cause you any stress. It's by faith that we believe that. It's by faith that we believe in Jesus Christ. And it's by faith that we live out this life that we live today. Some of us are living like we're, listen, some of us are living like we're the poorest people on the planet spiritually. Woe is me. When I hear, and, and you're not careful, we won't let prayer meetings get into this, but if you get into a prayer group in your group, what happens? I'm learning this the older I get. We went to see some friends, hadn't seen them in some time, and they're, they're, they're very polite people. And we had dinner together, and we rode out to their house to have dinner. Hadn't seen them in some time, and they, I said, uh, I apologize. You know, the last time y'all saw me, I had a little bit of hair and a, and a goatee and a beard. And the wife said, well, I've just learned a lot of people get older and get sick. I wasn't going to say anything to you. So I just put the word out there. I'm not sick. Just I shaved my head because the kids raised the money for the American Heart Association. And then I uh, was clipping my beard and it got too close. And so this is what you end up with. All right. So just being laid out there. I'm not sick. So pass the word. I might look sick, but I, as far as I know, I'm not. All right. But in John, John tells us that Mary was at the tomb. He tells about Peter and himself, the, the one who outran Peter to the tomb. Uh, he, he bragged a little bit. Remember, John was called the son of thunder by Jesus himself. John is a saved man, but he was a fisherman, y'all. He was the roughest of the rough. He was tough. He and his brother. Jesus, who created them, called them sons of thunder. So even though he was a disciple of love or a disciple that Jesus loved, he still had his nature inside of him, and he was still competitive. We're excited when, don't you like, who likes competition? Who loves competition? You're going to be taking the place ministry. If you haven't taken it yet, we're going to, we encourage all of you to take. If you haven't taken place, it will cost you a $10 investment, but it will tell you about your personality and your spiritual giftedness. I was taking some of it last night again, and I did it like it was the first time. And it says, one of the things is, do you like to compete? Why? And one of the answers is to win. And there's other answers to play on a team. Who wants to just play on a team? You want to play on a team to do what? To win. That's all my D personalities. Who, how many of y'all just like to be on the team? Raise your hand. See, the, 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 God's put all of us different kind of people. I just want to be on the team and encourage the team. Some of you were cheerleaders. Still don't understand cheerleaders, but I won't. My wife was a cheerleader, so I don't understand that concept, but um, go, go team go, right? Some of you are cheerleaders. I don't understand that, but we're wired differently, and we understand that. We can see when we read this passage, this is a real-life passage that comes to life for us today so we can have an understanding. So I talked to Thomas. I saw his picture in the paper. Julian showed it to me. Thomas is now another one of our students is taking off, going to college on scholarships. So Thomas will be playing uh, soccer in Virginia, is it? Yep, so that's uh, he'll be Concord University. He'll be taking off, so we're excited and proud of him and uh, just how God uses different ones in the family. Several are athletic, several are talented in singing. Uh, God's just blessed that family. So uh, we're thankful for how our natures are, how I could never play soccer. I don't understand it. How does the game end and then you add time to the end of the game? I don't understand how that works. It seems like cheating when we were kids. No, no, it's not over yet, right? But I don't understand soccer, but it looks tough. Look into today's final series message of resurrection power and purpose. We're going to go through this pretty quick because I want you to see. We're not going to go back and digging to Mary, uh, visiting with Jesus. He said, go away. Listen, I want you to go away today because I haven't sent it to my father. Derek brought up a good point as we were talking this morning, sitting around in the Fellowship Cafe after we had our prayer time, that potentially, this is extra biblical, so you can't go home and don't say I said because I'm going to quote Derek. That's what I'm doing. So I'm gonna, this, he's, he wasn't there. 
But potentially, Jesus, we know from the scripture, had not ascended because he tells Mary, don't touch me because I haven't ascended to the Father. Don't hold on to me. She, she could have touched him, but don't hold on to me. He had to go report in. Now, God already knew this, but this was God's plan. Potentially, Peter and John, racing so quickly to get to the tomb, potentially ran past Jesus because he was in the garden. They potentially passed him to get to the empty tomb. And we know that, obviously, like he hadn't ascended, so he was there. And, and the timelines, if you go through, and if you've got questions about the timeline of the resurrection, there's a great place to go, gotquestions.com. You can go through, and they, they assimilate a timeline for you to understand a little bit about the resurrection because God doesn't want you to be confused. God wants you to actually be, have clarity. So go there, and someone has taken the time to put the timeline together for you. But I want us to look at this word today. We're going to pick up in verse 19. Chapter John 20, verse 19. Then the same day at evening, what day is it? Sunday. This is Sunday evening, okay? Being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, when the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. And it's not Jews, the crowd, because these men are Jews themselves, okay? They're not afraid of themselves. Who are they afraid of? The scribes, chief priests, Pharisees, all the ones that put Jesus to death on the cross, they're in fear because they went and checked out. And Peter and John came back and said, dude, the tomb's empty. Rome's going to blame us. They're fearful for their life. Are the Jewish leaders, they're going to say, we did it. We don't have an answer for it. So they were trembling. They were, they were fearful people. They were worried. They didn't remember what Jesus said either. For fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace Shalom to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Verse 24, now Thomas called the twin. What do we call Thomas? Church tradition, we call him Downing Thomas. He was never that. He was always the aggressor. If you go back and look at Thomas's history, he spoke up for the Lord. And in this one case, he's called, not doubting Thomas, he's called the twin. Thomas had a twin in the family. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Does that sound like some of our family members today? Friends today, and after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you and me, by the way. Verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in him, or in his name eternally. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. And thank you for your love for us and your caring. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, look at your notes if you would. If you have a bulletin, the notes are in the bulletin. If you don't, there's some bulletins still in the corners. 
But I want you to see this. A troubled heart will cause confusion in the lives of people. If you're a warrior, you stay confused. You stress people out around you. You produce children who worry. You produce grandchildren who worry. You pass it on from generation to generation because you just chew your nails for something that happened to you that was passed on to you. It might have been a traumatic situation in your past. It might have been a death in your past. It might have been something that caused you great stress, more than likely it was, but you take on that worry when Jesus says, don't worry. Every time that you bring on worry, I want you to think about you're bringing on confusion. And the Bible's very clear. Who is the author of confusion? His name is Satan, the devil. So anytime you feel confused, anytime you feel worried, anytime that you're passing on gossip, anytime that you're doing sinful things, you're doing the work of the devil. Does that make you feel excited today? The Lord tells us how we should live. He tells us how we actually should be holy as he is holy. Before his crucifixion, the Lord Jesus commanded his disciples not to have a troubled heart. You say, where is that in the Bible? Go back to John 14 and look what he said. This is before the, res- before the crucifixion. John 14, what does he say? Verse 1, we usually read this at funerals. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I am, go, where I go, you know, and the way you know. Here's Thomas. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Then Philip chimes in and asks for Jesus to show them the Father. He said, that'll be enough. You just show us the Father. And that'll be enough. And Jesus replies, Peter, uh, Philip, have I not been with you guys long enough that you've seen the miraculous works, to seen the work of God? When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When we get to heaven, guess who we're going to see? Jesus. We're going to see the expressed image of Jesus. When we say, I want to see God, he'll be right there, Jesus on the throne. You'll never see God the Father. Any of you waiting to see God the Father unless you see Christ the Son. When you see Jesus, he's the expressed image of the Father. You won't see the Holy Spirit. You'll see his workings, out, outworkings of the Holy Spirit, even here on this earth. But when you want to see a physical God, like I can't wait till the day I see Jesus, turn to Revelation chapter 1, you'll see Jesus. There's a picture of him there. It's a fearful picture of him being Almighty God, but chapter 1 gives you a visual picture of where, what Jesus looks like today. Here he still looked like the Jewish man that, he, that they knew because they recognized him after he identified himself. The disciples allowed their faith in Jesus' words. Listen to this. this. Mark this in your notes. The disciples allowed their faith in Jesus' words to slip into fear of Jesus' enemies' words. They were afraid of the enemy. They were afraid of Rome. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They had gotten to the place that everything they'd learned for three years, at that moment they had cowered in fear and they've gotten together and now they're stressed. We've given up our fishing business. I've given up my tax collector business. I don't have anything to go back to. How are we going to make revenue? How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to take care of our families? These men had families, you know. They had children, you know. And they were concerned about how do we actually take care of them when we have no income. We've given up everything for this man, Jesus, who called himself the Messiah. Now he's dead. Not only is he dead, now he's missing. <laughs> is that stressful? Does that sound like your life sometimes? What are we going to do when we don't know what to do? The answer is simple. Turn to Jesus. Just turn to Jesus. Watch what happens. I want you to go through this. They allowed their hearts to be troubled. When Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled, Sean Hannity is the worst. He likes to misquote this verse and use part of it. When he closes off, he signs off, let not your heart be troubled, and he goes off. He misquotes Jesus. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. 
in my Father's house are many mansions. Jesus is telling, if Sean Hannity would finish, and I'm not a big Sean Hannity fan, just for the record, but I've seen it. If he would finish the word, he would proclaim the gospel every night that he signs off. He would preach the word of Jesus Christ and tell everybody on the planet how to become a Christian. If he would just quote the verse through verse 6. But he stopped at half of verse 1 because he wants to sound pious, he wants to sound spiritual, and he wants people to actually think that he actually is on their side. But really, he is quoting something that's tremendously controversial. He would be fired the next day if he, if he read all six verses, wouldn't he? He said, Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the, heaven except through, uh, to the Father except through me. If Sean Handy was to say there, anybody, any other anchor on TV, would they lose their jobs? There'd be an outpouring of it. How can you say that? Everyone who's against Christianity would say that, just like they did against Jesus. Well, look at your notes. On resurrection morning, Mary experienced the power of God through the living Jesus. She had been given purpose. What was Mary's purpose? Go and tell the rest of the disciples. Go and tell the men. Go tell the boys, I am risen. That's in verse 15 through 18 we didn't read. That was this morning during Catalyst. You read that. Verse 19, the beginning there. On resurrection evening, this is Sunday evening, the disciples were behind closed doors fearing for their lives. Satan always brings fear through confusion. Mark that down. Get that in your head. Get that in your heart. He always brings fear of the unknown through confusion. You'll perceive things a thousand different ways to Sunday, and God's like, I've got this. Go back to Proverbs. Go back to the Old Testament. Trust in the Lord. The writer of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with what? All of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he'll do what? He'll make your path straight. He'll, he'll correct your path. He'll make them, this is what I've laid out for you. Just walk in them. You can't have a next year faith. You have to have a next moment faith. You say that again. You can't have a next year faith. You have to have a next moment faith or next second faith. You have to live day by day with the Lord Jesus Christ guiding you. If you worry about tomorrow, guess what's going to happen? You're sinning against God. You need to read Matthew 5 and 6. Jesus said you're in sin. Don't worry. Look at the flowers of the field. Look at the birds of the air. Your heavenly Father cares for them. But aren't you much greater than the birds? Aren't you better than an animal today? You're the, some up, four of you are. I got news for you. As a Christian, as a human, just as the worst vile human is the top of God's creation. On day six, when God created humans and finished the whole creation process, he said, it is very good. We were made, Adam was made in the image of God. In the image of God, he made man and woman, Genesis one twenty six. Look for yourself. And you talk about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where we trusted God with all of our heart. So many times we've been educated or we have a degree or, or we have experience or we have OJT or we, we're veterans or we, we've done something and we think we know better than God. Our personalities can get in the way. Our life experiences can get in the way. So many things will block us from the truth because we want to feel like we've done something. We we know something. These men, did they know something? For three years, they had spent time with God himself. They had walked not through spiritual leadership. They had walked through physical leadership with the Spirit moving them to go do things. God would drop the Spirit on them, if you would, and they would go... And they would go accomplish what he wanted them to accomplish. They cast out demons in the name of Jesus. They healed the sick in the name of Jesus. They've done so many miraculous things in the name of Jesus. But I want to put this before you today. You can disagree with me, and we'll talk about it after church. But I believe these men had not truly had saving faith up until this point. They had Old Testament faith because what period did they live in? 
the Old Testament. Even though it's in the New Testament in your Bible, Jesus lived during the Old Covenant, the Old Testament of kill your sheep, kill the goats, kill the turtle doves, right? Make sacrifices for sins because they would cover your sins. But when Jesus died on the cross, he brought in the New Covenant or the New Testament. He brought it into life and saying, listen, no longer will I require blood of animals to cover your sins. The Son of God, God himself, has died for you to take away your sins. No longer to cover them, to take them away. Your sins today, gone. Your sins in the past, gone. Your sins tomorrow, guess what? They're gone. They're paid for. You say, well, then I can go out and sin all I want to. I covered that last week in Romans 6. God forbid. Your want-tos change when you become a Christian. When you become the spirit-filled Christian, you want to walk. You want to walk in his ways because he tells you over and over again. Now, you'll have war in your heart because the Bible says your flesh, Clint Smith, wars against the Holy Spirit. Every day, I want to do the wrong thing. Especially living in Aiken driving here, right? Anybody want to do the wrong thing sometimes? Wish you had a snow plow in the front of your car? Anybody talk to other people when you drive? It just relieves my stress, and it causes my wife's stress. She's like, stop talking to those people that can't hear you. I said, yeah, but I can hear it, right? So we're, we're just sinful beings. We want to do the wrong thing every single time. And the Spirit says, nope, don't do that, don't do that, stop that, don't do that. Imagine God all over the world stopping sin. And you can stop, by the way. Some of you, I've heard people in counseling. Now, counseling, I've told you I'm the worst counselor. So if you come to me, just go ahead and prepare for that, right? Pastor, I just can't stop doing this. Stop. I can't. I'm just addicted. Well, stop. Well, Pastor, I have this. Listen, there's two things in life. Either you have a medical problem, you need to go see your doctor, or you have a spiritual problem, and you need to go see the great physician. You have a sin problem. Most of us have sin problems. Our anxiety, our stress, all the worry, all the stuff is just sin problems because we've heard it or we've learned it, and we keep compounding that by adding our personality to it. You'll take on the sins of your grandmother and grandfather, right? And we understand we went through the Great Depression. We understand how things get passed on when people lose their jobs, when cars break down, whenever the livelihood, when you get sick. I understand all those things happen, but you've got to turn to the one who says, I'll keep you, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, is what Jesus said to all of us. That's a word of comfort for us. And you say, well, I can't take comfort in that. Then you need to check your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a point that you mature every day. You should be more mature this year than you were last year at the same time. And then you go back and say, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, I've been a Christian for 40 years. Well, how mature are you? Well, preacher, I still struggle with worry. You'll have worry, struggle, right? But it'll be easier. you just wipe that away. It's like these little kids that are up here. What do they struggle with? How many of y'all, how many senior adults lose your teeth? We do, don't we? Huh? Where I'm from, if you lose your teeth, that's, a, that's just a banner of pride, right? Just pull them and put false ones in. That's what I tell Trey all the time, right? Snaggles. But we do the same thing. Senior adults lose their teeth like little kids. What happens when senior adults lose their teeth? I don't nobody see it, right? They cover it. They don't smile. They'll smile. What happens when a kid loses their teeth? That's why I did that this morning. <laughs> right there, this one, right? The two front teeth. And we even made a song about it. All I want for Christmas is my... They love it. They want to sing about it. And we want to hide it. But I want you to understand, God's the God of the little child. He's the God of the senior adult and everybody in between. Amen? We can count on him when we lose our teeth in the good times or in the bad times. We can count on him in good health or bad health. We can count 
on our Lord Jesus Christ. He's always with us, never to leave us, nor forsake us. Let's go quickly through the notes. Jesus appeared in the room where the disciples met. Initially, their fear was compounded by seeing the resurrected Lord. If you go back and look at Luke 20, 36 and 37, they thought they had seen a spirit. Not a ghost, a spirit. Can I just tell you here today, there are no such thing as ghosts. Tell your children there's no such thing as ghosts. To be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. I cannot come around and woo. I would like to do that, maybe. That's just my nature because I like the fear of being afraid. I like poking wasp nests and hornet's nests. Anybody else like doing that? We're in good company. There's only a few of us, but that adrenaline rush of just doing something wrong. I like doing burnouts and sliding cars around. I like getting to the edge of danger. Anybody else like doing that? Yeah, I know. I told Greg, uh, by the way, one of our, he's an active deacon, but he did burnouts in the back parking lot, just telling you. But I authorized it. I was sitting there watching it because I wanted to smell the rubber burning off the tire. It's in the far back, out of the corner, so he just repaved that stretch of, he just made it dark pavement again. But listen, we're on the edge. Our personalities are so different. When we come here, there's no such thing as ghosts. They thought they saw a spirit. They understood. Remember, these men had had encounters with demonic spirits. So they knew what a spirit looks like. What is a spirit? A spirit is simply this, a fallen angel, a fallen angel. They can take on appearances. They can enter into people, but there are no such thing as ghosts. When a lost person dies, according to Scripture, where do they go? They go to hell, or Hades, or the place of the unrighteous dead. The lake of fire, the proper hell, Revelation 20, 21, that's reserved for final judgment. Just so the final, when we think of flames of hell, there's people in righteous, unrighteous dead right now. The righteous dead was taken with Christ. We call it paradise. We call it heaven. There's different names for it. But the end game is the lake of fire. Hell has a lot of different names. It means the place of the dead, Hades, Gehenna. There's a lot of words we use, but it's a place of torment because we know the rich man told Abraham, listen, send Lazarus back to tell my brothers not to come here. Just give me a drop of water and send my brothers a message. And Jesus was very clear. If they won't listen to Moses and the law and all the things preached for them, they will not even hear if a dead man comes back to life. So the place of the unrighteous dead, uh, that's where people go. If you die today, you will die. If you're not a Christian, you'll die and go straight to hell. There is, and there's no getting out except to be brought up and be cast into the lake of fire before the great white throne judgment of God. So where's the room for haunted ghosts or haunted houses? There is no room for it. There's no humans floating around. Can a demon... Can they come and make you actually have an experience that you experienced or spoke with someone who you used to live? Yeah. People lose their spouses all the time. People talk about when I almost died, I saw the light. They can imitate. They know the music that you like. They know the words that you said. They can actually play back and do a lot of those things because they're all around you. And they can listen and mimic what was said of you. And these men thought they saw a spirit because, remember, they had encounters with demons they saw people cast out, uh, demons cast out. They even did it themselves. So Jesus, first he added to their, he compounded their fear when they first saw him. They thought they were going to die. Now they thought there was a spirit in the room. Uh, what are we going to do? We don't have that power that Jesus gave us. Well, here we go, verse 20. Jesus showed the disciples evidence of his nail-scarred hands and his scarred, pierced side. God the Father had raised him from the dead, and he had conquered death. Luke tells us there in 24, tells us that Jesus invited them to touch him. He aided their faith by eating with them. Go back and look at Luke. He said, what do, you, what do you guys have cooking? Let's eat. That's how we know Jesus was the Baptist, right? Just kidding. He, 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 he ate with them. He ate with them right there on the spot. And, and he said, look, flesh, spirits don't have flesh and bone. 
So does Jesus' resurrected body have flesh and bone? Yes. But somehow he can walk through that wall. He can just appear here because that's the new body. That's what you and I are going to get. We're going to get the same kind of resurrected body. It's, it's going to be an exciting time. I wish we had time for this. Jesus commanded peace to his disciples in verse 21 twice. And then here's what Jesus did. He restored their what? What do you think? Their joy. Not just their happiness. He restored their joy. This is the Messiah. This is what we left everything for. This is why we left our business. This is why we left my, my financial gains. I left it for Jesus. They were so excited because he renewed that passion within them. Jesus commissioned the disciples with their life's mission. They were to set out just like, Jesus, just like God the Father sent Jesus to the earth. If you look and see, they and we are to be the royal ambassadors for Christ. You say, well, how can I be an ambassador for Christ? How can you be an ambassador for Christ? Open your mouth. Use your fingers to, to share the gospel on social media. You be the witness for Jesus Christ. He says, just as the Father sent me to earth to do my mission, that's to die for you, to receive the Lord Jesus, to die for sins that we might receive him as our Lord and Savior, to die, to be buried, to be raised again the third day, God raised him from the dead. Matter of fact, do you know that the Bible is very clear in Romans 10, 9 through 13? He says, if, if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart, not our muscle, but our hearts, that who we are, that God raised Jesus from the dead, what's going to happen to us? We'll be saved. That's why I propose to you that these disciples were not saved up until this point because they had not believed that Jesus had risen from the dead. They were fearful. They would forgotten everything that even Mike talked about it. We sang about it. They had forgotten that he said he was going to be raised the third day. But now at the very point of his resurrection and his appearance, they go, Lord, we believe. They believe. They believe God raised him from the dead. Why? They believe by sight and by faith, but they had sight. Because Thomas wasn't with him, and the Bible tells us what did Thomas say? I will not believe unless I stick my finger in his hand, unless I stick my hand in his side. I won't believe. He was opposed to the gospel message. Isn't that amazing? And, and Thomas was one of the faithful ones. But let's see what he does. Watch this in your notes. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through uh, 21 Put that in your notes. We don't have time to read it, but that's where Paul talks about us becoming a new creation. We have we are to be commissioned by God to be ambassadors for Christ. Jesus, verse twenty-two, breathed the gift of, God, of the Holy Spirit on the disciples present in the room. This is when they received their salvation. I'm I'm fully convinced of that. Thomas was not in the room when Jesus came. The other disciples kept telling him or shared with him. But he refused to believe. They told him over and over and over and over again. Thomas, man, we're telling you, buddy, Jesus was here. He appeared right here, right where you're standing. Because when Thomas came in the room, he right there. He said, I won't believe. It could have been jealousy, but it was just pure unbelief. I won't believe. How many people, do we have friends like that, family like that? I just can't believe all that nonsense. That's just a crutch for you. I mean, that's good for you, but that, that, that means nothing for me. What do you say when people say that? I'm sorry you feel that way, and you walk away. Your job is not to save people. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is to be faithful, to be an ambassador for Christ, and to speak for Christ. You say what Christ says. You take the Word of God, and you go forth in Jesus' name. You speak it to anyone. You type it. You text it to anyone you can, and you live it out. If people reject the message, guess what? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the Christ. Amen? So many people won't tell the message because they're afraid. The pastor, they wouldn't believe if, if, if dead people come back to life. Well, he did, and they will believe if the Holy Spirit gets a, a hold of their hearts. 
there's a kingdom verse here in verse 26, but we can't, don't have time for it. But after eight days, eight is significant there. After eight days, Jesus appeared again to his disciples. This time Thomas was there, and Jesus invited Thomas to do what? I will not believe if I don't put my fingers in, his, in the holes of his hands. I will not believe until I put my hand in the side. What did Jesus invite him to do? Thomas, come here. Touch me. Thomas, look at this right here. This is where the spear went in. Touch me. And Thomas is like, watch what Thomas does. He, he knows what he does. Jesus invited Thomas to touch his scars and, and believe. Jesus gave him, here's th- the third time he says it. What did he say twice already? Peace. Just remember that when he was on the ocean with, I mean, on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples, and that, the storm's coming, it's rocking the boat, they're stressed out, they're falling apart. And what did Jesus do? They wake him up, Jesus, we're going to die. And he just says, Where's your faith? Peace. And the place, it didn't just go like a bathtub or calming down on the ocean. It just went. When the master says peace, guess what he means? You need to live that out. In your life, it might be rocky today. These disciples thought they'd lost everything. They thought they're going to die. It's the end game. Everything's over today. And Jesus comes in. He says, peace, peace, peace. You know why? Because he's, Isaiah 9, 6 says he's the prince of peace. He didn't just tell you to do it and figure it out. He says, I am the prince of peace. When you have me, you have the prince of peace with you. I'm with you wherever you go, 24-7. Jesus commanded Thomas, do not be unbelieving, but stop doubting and believe. Stop believing against the faith. Thomas, you got to be my witness. Start believing what we preached. Thomas confessed Jesus as his risen Lord and Savior. Jesus acknowledged his faith and the faith of all who would believe in the future with seeing, without seeing I said with seeing, but it should be without seeing or touching. And finally, last part of the scripture, Jesus did many other miracles in his disciples' presence. John tells us these have been written so that you may what, church? Believe with a deep and abiding trust that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed, the Son of God, and that by believing and trusting and relying on him, you may have what? Life in his name. Here's the question. Have you believed in the resurrection of Jesus? As your, and have you believed in the resurrection of Jesus as your Savior? If you have, you have a purpose. What is your purpose? Same as Mary's is to go tell, to glorify God in your message. You must go and tell those people who are not his disciples now. We must tell our friends. We must tell our neighbors. We must tell those we come in contact with at any location. Go and tell the message that Jesus Christ has risen and he will change your life. Don't tell him he'll just give you good life and he'll make you happy because sometimes you can be miserable because persecution comes. But I can tell you, brothers and sisters and friends today, if you give your heart and life to Jesus today, what he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can have that joy through cancer, through heart disease, through whatever you're facing. You can have the joy. Why? Not because you're strong, because we know that that makes us weak. When you lose someone that you love, listen, that, that makes you weaker. But your strength comes from where? The Lord, from God, from Jesus. Even Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is my Strength. That's an Old Testament saying. He knew something that we should know today, right? There is but one way, and it's God's way. We do it God's way, what happens, church? We get God's results every single time. You struggle with worry, take it to the altar of the Lord Jesus Christ and say, this is my sin of choice, Lord. If it's addiction to any other thing, take it to the throne of God, Lord. You know what I'm doing. The Bible says he sees us 24 hours a day. He never sleeps nor slumbers. And he told his disciples, Matthew 28, I'm with you always to the end of the age. He never leaves.
We serve an awesome resurrected God. There's power in the resurrection, and he says, go forth in Jesus' name. There's power in the name, and there's purpose in the name. And the purpose for you and me today as we finish this series is to go tell, just like he told Mary. Go tell the disciples. You think she's like, I can't believe I have to serve all the time. I just finished cooking breakfast. I got an early cooked breakfast. I come to the tomb. I come up here to bring all these heavy spices. I had to wrap his body again. I can't believe I have to anoint his body. And now his body's not here. And now you want me to go do something else? Does that sound like a typical church member? He said, go and tell. She, and what do you think she did? She didn't want to leave him alone. Stop clinging to me, Mary. you got to go get the message out. i got to go to the Father. you got to go to the disciples. we got to get this thing done because there's a new, listen, there's something new now. Now we're in the New Testament. We have to launch this new thing. And under the power of the Holy Spirit, they went, and the disciples, the Bible says later, and we've already studied the book of Acts, they turned the world upside down. These uneducated few disciples filled with the Holy Spirit, people knew they had been with Jesus. Here's the question. Your friends and family know you've been with Jesus? If not, why not? And if you're not a Christian today, listen, give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You will have the joy of the Lord, and that is your strength. Everything won't be fixed, but he'll be with you in those trouble spots. He'll be with you in the good times, because he's a good God. Isn't he? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you today that we do have the ability to actually have power in the resurrected Jesus. That, Lord, you say, we listen, when we die, Lord, We'll be with you forever. But when we live, Lord, you fill us with your spirit. What a joyful thing it is for us to be called your children. We can't fully explain it or fully understand it, but with Lord, by faith that you give us, the measure of faith you give us, we believe. We, we pray today, Lord, for our family and for our friends who don't believe. Lord, help them in their unbelief like Thomas. Lord, help them in their unbelief of the disciples. Help them to actually have an experience with the Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would show them through your word that you are who you said you are. And that they too could have this joy of living in the name of Jesus. Lord, help us as Christians to be faithful, to be obedient through baptism, to follow you all the days of our life. And Lord, to go forth in Jesus' name, telling the good news, singing the good news, praying the good news, and having laughter, Lord, abundantly, even through our tough times because you've never left us once. Not even for a break you don't take breaks. You are a good, good father. We love you today. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.